The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Be it superstition or just an apparition, you suddenly appear inside my heart. Does this strange romance stand Welcome to From the Bleachers, a very bleak episode of From the Bleachers. I'm your host, as always, Seamus Clancy, coming to you from the wonderful, the magnificent, the terrific Bleeding Green Nation Radio Podcast Network. Is there any podcast network out there as talented, as deep as this? I can't imagine so. But no, who's not talented and deep? Our Philadelphia Eagles. Pains me to say. My fellow Eagles fans, I'm a mess. I am simply a mess right now at this 0-2 hole. I'm having an identity crisis just as much as the Eagles themselves are having an identity crisis. I think back to when the Eagles selected Jalen Hurts in the second round back in April. I was on Instagram Live with the great, the wonderful Michael Kist on the Bleeding Green Nation Instagram. And if you're not following them, I do tons of great content on there all week at Bleeding Green Insta. Make sure to follow us on there. But I remember I was wearing a Carson Wentz North Dakota State jersey. Going up to the pick, I said, there's no way the Eagles can mess up this pick. Assume they were taking Jeremy Chin or a player like that. They select Jalen Hurts. My mind goes spiraling out of control. And I sit here today in the middle of this identity crisis that is plaguing me and the Eagles. I am wearing a Jalen Hurts Oklahoma jersey that I bought from Nike's website for 40 bucks. Jumpman logo on there and everything. That's how messed up I am right now. That's how confused I am as an Eagles fan. That's how irrational of an Eagles fan right now. I've got the Oklahoma jersey on, my Hellboy hat. I'm confused. I'm ready to vent. Ready to give you guys a voice because none of us know what's going on right now. It's so painful to say I don't. I don't know what's going on with Carson Wentz. I have been Wentz's biggest offender at every turn, getting blocked by national NFL writers, people all over the place defending our great and our beloved Carson Wentz. And he's played two of the worst games I've ever seen him play. Maybe the two worst in back-to-back weeks had moments in each game where he could have taken over, taken control of the game, you know, put the other team out of it and just hasn't done it. And it's concerning. It's highly concerning. I I can't believe I've lost hope and lost faith in a season as quickly as I have right now. The last time the Eagles were 0-2 was 2015. I was a senior in college. The Eagles lose on Monday Night Football in Week 1 to the Atlanta Falcons. Kiko Alonso has that phenomenal interception early on. The Eagles don't do anything. That's Sam Bradford's first game as an Eagle. Chip Kelly's last 
uh, week one game as an Eagles head coach, the beginning of the end of the chip era. Week two at home against Dallas. No, I get amped up for Dallas week more than much more than most people. Embarrassing loss. I walk out of the stadium a mess, screaming, so pissed off. Take this away back to school. And even then, I, I still held out hope that a playoff run was still in the cards. And now, after these two losses, Washington lost embarrassing. One's played so terrible against the Rams. He had that. I'll never get over that Ortega Whiteside pass. He throws it in a double coverage against two Ortega Whiteside. And friend of the podcast, Ryan Jones, who had been on an episode before the season started, talking about Joe Judge, NFC East coaches, said, if J.J. Ortega Whiteside is getting double teamed, why would you throw it to him? Take that as a win that they're putting two guys on the worst skill position player on the whole damn team. Take solace in that. And hit an open receiver because someone's going to be open then. What I always say about the Eagles is, give me to December. I am usually an overly optimistic Eagles fan. As irrational as I am, as emotional I am, it's hard for me to lose faith in an Eagles team. I always say, let's get to December. Let's get on that unlikely playoff run. Let's, if things aren't humming and mowing like the 2017, let's get into the playoffs. Let's get a playoff game. Let's get win some playoff experience. Let's win a playoff game. Have that great memory for us. 2018, they sneak in the playoffs. They need a bunch of help for it. But guess what? We get gifted the double joint game. Great Eagles moment we'll think about forever. Nick Foles, game-winning drive. There was a touchdown to Golden State who didn't even know what the play was. That's what I want. I, 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 part of me wants that. Part of me wants that, you know, those, that fun December game. I have my parents over. I have Ashley over. Uh, obviously, Ashley and I live together. And we're sitting there and we're getting hyped, making Bloody Marys before the game, you know, eating some Fink's hoagies during the game. I want that. But again, I've never lost faith. It's just not happening this year. It's just not happening. Wentz has regressed. He hasn't improved since 2017. I thought that end of the season run in 2019 was going to really spearhead him, getting back to that level he was in his MVP caliber 2017 season. We just haven't seen it. Now, Jalen Rager's hurt. Now, the defense is in shambles. Jim Schwartz. Oh, my God. I talked all last week on the podcast about Sean McVay versus Doug Peterson, how I always hang my hat on all the hype around Sean McVay, that Doug Peterson has beat him in every turn. Doug Peterson scored 41 points in the Super Bowl. Sean McVay scored three. All of that stuff. And it feels like it's already gone out the window. Jim Schwartz looked like he had never watched one second of film or tape on Sean McVay. This is Sean McVay's what? Fourth season NFL has been running the same offense the the entire time. Runs bootleg after bootleg, misdirection, movement before the snap. We all know what was happening. Play action rollout from Jared Goff hitting Tyler Higby with Nathan Gary nowhere near him in coverage, and it looked like Jim Schwartz didn't have a clue what was going on. Now I've been a you know a detractor of Jim Schwartz, but ultimately I think he's done a better job. Then Eagles fans give him credit for. When you're talking about firing Jim Schwartz, you're like, okay, well, who are they hiring instead that's going to do a better job? That's not a guarantee they're going to do that. But after that performance, that is just embarrassing. I'm embarrassed to be a fan of the Eagles. It looked like he had never just, he had no idea what was happening. The Eagles players on defense were so unprepared for what was happening, even though they played Sean McVay multiple times in their career. Just thoroughly, thoroughly unprepared. It's embarrassing. I can't believe what I was watching. He would roll out every single time. That's what Sean McVay does. That's what Jared Goff does. Play action rollouts. Misdirection. Pre-snap motion. And they look like they had no 
clue it was coming. It's so hard for me now not to drop F-bomb after F-bomb. That's how angry I am talking about this. Jim Schwartz, all Schwartzy. Good luck coaching Archbishop Wood next year as their defensive coordinator. Maybe I'll square off against uh, Bishop Eustace's offensive coordinator, Chip Kelly. I'm just embarrassed. I, I, there's no way they make the playoffs, right? They're playing a Bengals team that was the worst team in the NFL last year. Joe Barra looks really good. They're coming off playing Thursday night football last week. They lost, but Burrow looked really good. Have a good collection of receivers. Tyler Boyd looks like one of the emerging players in the NFL right now. And they're on 10 days rest. And somehow I feel like the Eagles are going to lose. They're five and a half point favorite. That feels like a, a Bengals line to me. I don't know when the last time the Eagles went an 0-3 hole is. I can't imagine it. It's, it's in. I can't fathom it. It's scary to think that this season could be down the drain. Three weeks into September. Then we go to Sunday football and 49ers. 49ers are maybe the only team as banged up in the NFL as the Eagles. Maybe they pull off a win there, steal a win that we thought was going to be a loss before the season started. But 0-3, I can't face 0-3 in the face. I just can't. I'm scared at that thought. I don't want Jalen Hurts to take over for Carson Wentz right now. I did like the packages. And that's the crazy part, too. I'm such a Taysom Hill hater. But at the same time, I really enjoyed when Jalen Hurts was on the field. I think when they're going in their goal line package, especially two-point conversion, every two-point conversion to me, Jalen Hurts should be on the field. They should go for two every time, that run-pass option. He's built like a linebacker. I wouldn't say a linebacker. He's you know, 6'1", 223 pounds, built like a running back. Almost Not Cam Newton-esque completely, but a little along those lines. He should be on there in those two-point conversions instead of the naked pitch to Miles Sanders. I like when Doug went for two. I'm always a proponent of going for two. Doug, you know, Big Stone's Doug. Wasn't on the field on Sunday, and that 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 really angers me. Those two times he kicked when he should have just won for it. You know, the Rams are off sides. Could have went from a fourth and eight on that field to a fourth and three late in the game. You're playing to lose. You're playing not to lose. You're playing scared. You wrote a book. I had this book right near my desk where I write, record my podcast and everything. The spot of the book says, Fearless, Tashit Books, Doug Peterson. You weren't quite fearless on Sunday, Doug. Oh, my God. What's going to happen? <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like I'm going insane. That that meme everyone says, like, I'm going to become the Joker. If the Eagles go 0-3, including two losses to the two teams with the worst record in the NFL last year, I am going to become the Joker. That's all I have to say. They, they need an overhaul. They need an overhaul. I don't know what's going to take for that to happen. I don't want the Eagles to bottom out. I want to see them win. I want to see them go 10-6, and 11-5, go on a miraculous playoff run, win a playoff game. Carson Wentz gets his first playoff win. I want all that to happen. But I am terrified that the bottom is coming out on this team and we're reaching the end of the era, the Super Bowl era, this, the beginning of the Doug Peterson era. I'm not saying Doug's gone as coach. I certainly don't want Doug gone as coach. But this iteration of this team feels like it's ending this season. This is the end of the line for this iteration of the Philadelphia Eagles. I really am terrified they're going to lose on Sunday. And last week on the podcast, as we're ending on going on McVeigh versus Peterson rant, and I convinced myself that they're going to win. Now I feel like I'm convincing myself they're going to lose, and it's terrifying. I don't know what's going to happen this Eagles season, but it's going to be like, it feels like it's going to be like, unlike any Eagles season that I can remember in the worst, worst possible way. I see people pointing out the Eagles made the playoffs in 2003. It was McNabb and Reed's fifth year with the team, as it is 
Doug's and Wentz's fifth year of the team. They started out 0-2, lost to the reigning Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in the first game at Lincoln Financial Field in Week 1. Week 2, they lose to the eventual Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. They have a very strange Week 3 bye in 2003. You know, one win in Week 3 against Buffalo, going a 12-4 run, have home field advantage, make the NFC Championship game. That's the 4th and 26th game in the divisional round versus the Packers they win. That's not happening this year. Carson Wentz isn't as good as Donovan McNabb was in 2003. I wrote about this this week in my newsletter. If you love the podcast, you love me on Twitter, at Seamus underscore Clancy, you got to check out my newsletter, patreon.com backslash Seamus underscore Clancy. McNabb is just more accomplished, more, I don't want to say more talented because Wentz's talent is through the roof, but certainly at the same time, you know, fifth year in his career, infinitely more accomplished than Carson Wentz. The Eagles, I looked up to see what are some differences between those teams. What is it going to take for the Eagles to go on that miraculous 12-4 run, overcoming their 0-2 deficit? And I saw that in 2002, so the previous season, the Eagles' defense finished fourth in Football Outsiders' DVOA metric. 2001, they were the finished first in DVOA, defensive DVOA. So you're coming off a team that is clearly a top two, top three defense in the NFL you're bringing back in 2003. They played two tough, tough opponents. A Tampa Bay team that owned him were in their heads after the final game at the, at the Veterans Stadium, 2002 NFC Championship game. Then they played the eventual Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. The Eagles aren't playing two Super Bowl teams in week one, week two. They played Washington with Dwayne Haskins at quarterback. And while the Rams won't be good this year, they're in a tough division. Could be a situation where... I don't know. What if every team in the NFC West makes the playoffs? I don't know if that's going to happen. But at the same time, they're not at the New England Patriots level, the way the Patriots were in Week 2, 2003. I don't see it happening. This team is bad. and They lose. They're just not. This doesn't happen to good teams. Good teams don't do this. Good teams don't make these mistakes. I'm so angry. If the Bengals win this week, just disaster written all over it. Season from hell. I'm worried we're having a 2015 redux. Season from hell. And, you know, the wholesale changes need to be made. Doug Peterson's not one of them. Howie Roseman. Jeffrey Lurie treats him as his own son, his own flesh and blood. There's no way Howie goes away after the season. And I think at the same time, you know, winning a Super Bowl does buy you some leeway, understandably, even if all of his moves since the Super Bowl, since that Super Bowl win, have been, you know, disastrous to a degree. Now, Jalen Rager's hurt. I'm angry. One of these things that's been bothering me about the Eagles that I think is part of their offensive struggles since 2018 is this infatuation with 12 personnel. Now, initially, that seemed like an awesome move to me. In 2018, the Eagles trade back from the 32nd pick in the first round because they were the Super Bowl champions. People forget that. Make a trade with the Ravens, who inevitably selected Lamar Jackson at 32, but that's a story for a different day. Eagles trade down with the 49th pick in the second round. They take Dallas Goddard. Strange that a team takes a backup tight end coming off a Super Bowl win when they had a pro bowler and a Super Bowl hero on their roster in Zach Ertz. But then they put this emphasis on running 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field. And I'm thinking, you know, what if this is the 2011 Patriots part two? Reality, Ertz and Goddard, probably two of the top five tight ends in the league. Now, Dallas Goddard doesn't get all those reps the way he would if he was on his own team without Ertz. But he's undeniably talented. In week one, he had eight catches, 101 receiving yards, and a touchdown. He looked downright George Kittle-esque, barreling through defenders. Physical beast. And the idea behind 12 personnel is that it creates mismatches at every turn. Defense comes out 
and a base defense against the Eagles and 12 personnel. Good luck sticking a linebacker on Ertz or Goddard. They come out in nickel. Well, Goddard's a fantastic blocker. Ertz has improved. We're going to punish you in the running game. That just hasn't been the case. Last year, the Eagles finished 19th in yards per attempt with 4.1. They finished 11th in the league overall in rushing yards. In 2018, Josh Adams led the team with 511 rushing yards. They're not this dominant running team. At the same time, the passing offense has regressed tremendously since 2017. Now, in 2017, Trey Burton did have five touchdown catches and played well. But the Eagles weren't running a ton of 12 personnel, even when they had, you know, Brent Selleck, the, you know, kind of a shell of Brent Selleck on the team still. Their base offensive set was Alshon Jeffrey, 11 personnel. Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith on the outside, Nelson Aguilar in the slot, and Zachary to tight end. That was a very balanced offensive attack that still had a dynamic nature to it. Alshon Jeffrey, your red zone, big play, possession receiver, Torrey Smith as your vertical threat, Nelson Aguilar, well, all of his awards since 2017, you know, he was a Super Bowl hero too. People forget that as much as I've criticized him since then. Criticism was warranted, but can't take away what he did in 2017. Was fantastic in the slot for the Eagles. That offense was fun. It was quick. Had dynamicism to it. Ever since then, with this emphasis on 12 personnel, there's a lack in big playability. Things are slowing down. The offense is plotting. We're going these very long, methodical drives when the Eagles really do need some scoring punch. They just don't have it. They have not had it since 2017. Maybe that's Wentz losing some of his mojo. Maybe that's you know Doug's play calling in a little vanilla. Maybe that's the absence of Frank Reich and John Filippo. But at the same time, they're getting bogged down with 12 personnel. It's just not working. They, they're, they're missing speed on the offense. And you thought that was getting corrected this offseason with Jalen Rager and Deshaun Jackson. But at the same time, the Eagles were in. And these stats are coming from Bo Wolf, uh, Birds with Friends, The Athletic. Great follow, great writer. Uh, the Eagles were in 12 personnel 80% of the time against the Rams. They've been in it this season 68% of the time, which is obviously toxic. In the fall, the next closest team came out in at 31% in 12 personnel. And there was this emphasis on adding speed this offseason to get those, you know, athleticism on the field, those big play threats. And Jalen Rager already hurt, was hurt before the season, comes back in, tears a ligament in his thumb in week two on a fantastic catch he made on a terrible, terrible hospital ball from Carson Wentz against the Rams. Now Jalen Rager's out. Deshaun Jackson, who, while missing almost all of last season, came back in, you know, had some nice catches that against the Rams, but has essentially been on the NFL equivalent of a pitch count. So you're still playing two tight ends the vast majority of the time. Now, Alshon's still out. Jalen Rager's out. John Hightower, who I was hyping up before the season, looked totally lost in week one against Washington. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, a bust in the highest, to the highest degree, has one target in two weeks, zero catches, John Hightower, as lost as he seemed, I'd rather take a chance with him out there with his speed rather than what I know is a known quantity and someone who frankly stinks. He stinks. He stinks. Terrible pick. Terrible pick. I don't want to say a fireball offense, but it just adds up of all the poor drafting they've had since that 2016 Wentz draft. Every draft since then, pretty bad. Their best pick in the last three years in a draft, that is three years, four years, as a backup tight end. And yeah, he's essentially started with how I'm saying they, their emphasis on 12 personnel. But at the same time, they took a number two tight end in the second round coming off a Super Bowl win. And that's been their best pick since. 
Not great. Not great, Bob. I don't know how to fix this. I think it's coming down to a decision where, you know, sooner rather than later, they're going to, not only for the sake of their, you know, Ertz and Goddard's own ability, their own talent, their own career trajectory, for the sake of this Eagles offense, I think they need to make a change soon. I'm not saying they need to trade Zach Ertz right now. They need to trade Dallas Goddard. But this offseason, something has to has to go. Something has to change. And I'm not saying this. They need to trade Zach Ertz because he stinks. Zach Ertz is phenomenal. Zach Ertz is on a Hall of Fame trajectory. But at the same time, he's going to be more expensive. He's going to be older. Dallas Goddard is this, you know, kind of uber-talented physical player whose, you know, career is on the upswing and who's going to be cheaper and younger than Zach Ertz. So in reality, I would trade Zach Ertz. And that's, not a, again, not a study against Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is phenomenal. He deserves to get paid what he wants. But at the same time, it's probably not wise for the Eagles to do that. And I don't know what the fix is. Again, I think they need to run less 12 personnel with all these injuries and necessitates having their two best pass catchers, Ertz and Goddard, on the field. And I get it. They want to have their most talented players out there. But I feel like we're getting into this Sixers territory where we're trying to zig when everyone else is zagging. But at the same time, we're just playing slow, plodding, unexcited football. That's simply not working. The offense is not humming. The offense is stagnant. Maybe that's the play calling. Maybe that's, again, regression from Wentz, poor decision-making, inaccuracy from Wentz. But at the same time, that 12 personnel, those two tight end sets and packages, are doing no one any favors. Not doing the Eagles favors, not doing each player's own you know, talent or their you know, respective career trajectory favors. Certainly not doing fantasy, <laughs> fantasy owners any favors, too, when they're debating whether this guy's even going to get targets. You know, what I think on... Sunday, Ertz had eight targets. Ertz had seven targets. Goddard had eight against the Rams. You know, obviously, uh, I think Ertz has now eight catches for 60 yards or two games plus a touchdown. But Goddard has more than double the yards on this season. So it's strange. Uh, so you're having those guys back out there. Uh, and you think there's you know time for both of them to catch it. They could replicate that Gronk and Hernandez last season. The you know They had two tight ends to catch the most passes, respectively, uh, since Gronk and Hernandez in 2011, but Zach Ertz isn't on his way to an eye-popping statistical season like we're used to. And again, that's not an indictment of Ertz's talent; it's just how the offense is playing right now. And Goddard could again be in a guy who's looking at a in a different offense, or when he's the lone tight end in an 11 personnel heavy offense, a guy could approach you know a thousand receiving yards and double-digit touchdowns. And that's just not happening right now. They're not maximizing each person's talent. And again, it's like the Sixers where. Having 15 big men on the field, on the court, without any guards, seems like a problem. Having a bunch of tight ends on the field, and now Sean Jeffrey comes back, essentially a third tight end with his speed and athleticism at his age after all these injuries, it's not working. We need big play threats, and again, you thought Jalen Riker was going to be doing that. He's hurt. Even when he was healthy, and Deshaun Jackson was healthy, and John Hightower's out there, they're still running a ton of 12 personnel and just not working. Again... The lack of depth and talent at receiver is necessitating it to a degree, but ultimately, it's not a fruitful in Denver. And again, there's no quick solution to this. They're probably going to have to ride this out for this season, but it's just another facet of this Eagles team that's not working, along with the defense, along with the pass rush isn't what we want it to be. You know, Carson Wentz isn't where we want him to be. The coaching staff isn't where we want it to be. Howie Roseman isn't where we want him to be. I'm nervous. And I hope on Monday or next week's podcast, and I'm here, I'm eating crow. 
Carson Wentz throws four touchdown passes. I'm sure Zach Ertz and Goddard will combine for 195 receiving yards, you know, 17 catches, three touchdowns. And Ali Crow and look like an idiot. But even so, these are long-term issues for the Eagles without a clear, immediate solution. I think that's the issue with the Eagles overall. They have a bunch of long-term problems, and they are stuck where they are right now, whether it be for talent reasons, depth reasons, salary cap reasons. We are watching this team bottom out. Not bottom out in terms of finishing you know, a top five, bottom five record. You know, The bottom's coming out in this team, this, this iteration of the Eagles, this, you know, quote-unquote, the first Super Bowl era of the Eagles team, Eagles franchise of the Doug Peterson era. I'm nervous. I'm nervous, to say the least. Anyway, that's what I got this week. Usual plugs. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Seamus underscore Clancy. Do a ton of Instagram content. You could also follow that I run the Bleeding Green Nation Instagram, as I mentioned earlier, at Bleeding Green Insta. You know, sign up for my Patreon newsletter. Again, if you like this podcast, if you listen to this podcast, if you like my tweets, $2 per month. 20 newsletters per month every Monday through Friday morning. Patreon.com backslash Seamus underscore Clancy. Be sure to give everyone else on this network a listen. So many talented voices out there. We love the Eagles. Love everyone who's listening. Go Birds. And hopefully, hopefully, I have a more positive tone next week. Go Birds.